Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Stand with me if you would. Welcome all of you watching online. Obviously, the sermon today will be about time and how we're spending our time, what we do with our time, the effect and impact uh, of the choices we make within those times that we are choosing. So hold your Bibles up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert My heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Six ways to use eight hours. You say, well, 24 hours in a day. Well, most of us will sleep eight, and others will work or be on their way to work eight or nine hours. So you have this window of time that we call discretionary time. And we get to basically choose how we use that. So it's not that much time. In fact, one person said, if you are 35 years old, you have 500 days left to live. And I'll explain this. He goes on to say, its thesis was that when you subtract the time spent sleeping, working, tending to personal matters, hygiene, odd chores, medical matters, eating, traveling, and miscellaneous time stealers, in the next 36 years, you will have roughly the equivalent of only 500 days left to spend as you wish. Just think about it. Now, the reason I do this, it's, it's, it's called time budgeting. And it's very, very important for us to understand that we all say, at certain times, I don't have time. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. When in reality, we have time, just like we have money, and we get to choose when to spend it, where to spend it, how to spend it. And if we were to do a, a time appraisal, if you will, of our day in our lives... It would probably be very interesting, just as it would if you did a budget financially. Uh, And you would probably be surprised at some of the things you spent money on. If you really did it right, you'd probably go, wow, I I didn't need to do that. I don't know why I did that. Must have not been feeling good or must have had a moment. And so what's very important to us in times like these is that we make sure we're spending our time wisely. The psalmist said... Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. This is one of the wisest uh, men to live, uh, as we know in the Bible. And it's very, very important that we factor this in. Not trying to scare anybody, not trying to freak you out, but the reality is that in times like these... uh, Throughout the pandemic and all that's been happening, I think people have found that there is time that we didn't think we had, and we did things that we thought we would never do, but we were 
forced into a situation that caused us to go, now somebody's told us what we can and cannot do with our time. You're going to stay home. The stay home thing happened. And many people actually, uh, crime and things of that nature and different types of crime were elevated. I won't go into detail on what those were because it's not pretty. But when people didn't have uh, are forced to spend the extra eight hours they had working at the office, they had this discretionary time all of a sudden put in their lap. And it's kind of like people who win the lottery. They're broke until they win the lottery, and once they win the lottery, they end up either dying, killing themselves, or killing somebody because they don't know what to do with all the money. And so there is a component to time, much like money, that if we we're not scheduling time and we're not utilizing time wisely, then it gets away from us. And before you know it, we're doing things we wouldn't normally do, saying things we wouldn't normally say, spending time where we'd normally spend them. Ephesians 5.16 says, Live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as men who do not know the meaning of life, but as those who do. Make the best use of your time despite all the evils of these days. Don't be vague, but grasp firmly what you know to be the will of the Lord. Very, very important that we realize that we, if you will, our days, if you will, are numbered. Now, I know that nobody likes to talk about this, and I'm not going to stay on it long, but at the end of your life, what will you look back on and say, I'm really glad I did this and this and this, and I wish I hadn't done this, that, and that. And so we all have those moments. Everybody does. Everybody's done things they wish they hadn't done. And then some of us, all of us probably will look back and have some sort of pleasure that we made the choices that we made. Nonetheless, it's not about time past. It's about time present. Time present will feed time future. In other words, the choices we make today will carry us into the future, good or bad. And so we need to make sure that we have time stamps, if you will. How many of you know that there are ring cameras and nest cameras and video cameras and surveillance cameras? And they have on them what's called time stamps. And when they go back to review uh, the camera footage, they can look at the stamps and what happened during those times. And so it's very important for us to realize that there is a time and a season. Now, there are two words in the biblical language and Greek language for time, kairos and chronos. One is measured, chronos, by uh, seconds, minutes, hours, days, months. And then there's, which is, is quantitative. And then there's kairos, which is qualitative. In other words, it means a season or it's measured by moments. Now, I find this interesting because in, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, In the fullness of time, God sent his Son. In other words, God is aware of time. Even though he's not bound by time, he's aware of time. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. And so what we have to recognize, even God, in Genesis, when he spoke to Adam and Eve after they ate from the tree, he began to lay out a time frame that... He referred to Christ without using his name. He will, there will be one who comes and he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. In other words, in that moment in Genesis, God was pointing out that the time would come when the separation between God and man as it was prior to the fall would be reestablished. 
Then we see in Galatians 4 that God said in the fullness of time he sent his son. So there was timing involved in when God was going to send him. And so in John chapter 19, verse 30, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. In other words, he's designating, this is a time stamp. He's letting everybody know, I've done what I came to earth to do. And now that work or that time is over and we're entering another time frame. And so here's how life kind of plays out. And I will not get to all six of these things in to do in eight hours, but I'm going to get to at least three of them, maybe. And it says, uh, you will sleep in your life roughly 23 years. Now, for some of you, you're going, that's great news, man. I didn't realize I was going to get that much rest. You'll sleep 23 years of your life, or 32.9%. Work, you'll work 16 years. Total 16 years or 22.8% of your life. You'll watch TV. Most people will watch TV eight years or 11.4% of their life. You will eat for six years. You're going to need some Tums. 8.6% of your life. You'll travel six years, another 8.6. Leisure, 4.5 years or 6.5%. Illness, Four years, God help us, pandemic took care of a bunch of that all at one time. For those of you who are afraid, I want to encourage you to stop being afraid. I really do. I, I don't want to condemn anyone. I don't want to, but I'm just saying this, that you can see here that there is a cycle that even includes illness, which I believe, again, we can minimize and reduce, and that's partially what we've done in this process of trying to figure out this disease, at some point we have to realize that we have the ability and the responsibility to utilize the time that we have, and uh, a lot of people will put fear in you to believe that you shouldn't go certain places and do certain things, and the time comes when you go, you know what? This is like the flu and numerous other diseases, diabetes, heart disease, and all the things that people are dealing with every day. And in fact, uh, I've been doing research on this just because I've been curious about everything going on in this time that we're living. And uh, I've been told by at least three medical professionals, minimum three, that said what's happening is a misrepresentation of what people are dying from. Now, some of you are going to get mad at me, and some of you are going to applaud me. I'm just giving you what I've read and researched because I'm exhausted with all of the fighting over pandemic. And uh, so I'm just trying to present to you possibilities here that doctors are saying, number one, that anybody, and I saw this just yesterday, anybody who dies with a positive test of COVID, their death is considered COVID or coronavirus, which is totally wrong. It's just, and, and then we were also told by a, an individual, a PA in Tulsa, that if they put down that a person died of coronavirus, that they get more money for that, that death. Now, if you haven't researched this and all you've done is listened on Facebook or watched on Facebook, all this being said, 
I think you've missed a lot because Facebook is about as unreliable as CNN. And so the reality is that we're listening, we're taking our time listening without really researching and doing a broad spectrum of research to understand that this is a restriction of your choice on how to use your time. Don't go to church, restaurants, or every other table. And, and so the idea here is that, that we're having to fight during this time how to respond to, to everything that's going on. And so it's very difficult. So uh, you'll spend two years dressing, depending on who you are, some probably four years, maybe eight. I'm just saying. And you look marvelous. Now, this is the one that really bites right here. So you've, you've heard sleep, work, TV, eating, travel, leisure, illness, dressing. Religion will shock you. People will only spend one half year or 0.7% on religion. What does that tell us about our choices? How much time do we spend in front of the mirror instead of how much time do we spend in the Bible? No condemnation, I'm just saying. And I've gone through cycles in my own Christian life, in my own Christian walk, where I've seen those times vacillate and change. And I catch myself every now and then realizing I haven't utilized my time as wisely as I should. And I try to make corrections, and oftentimes the reason we don't make those corrections is because of condemnation it's like the person says, well, it's just too late, it's over, I've messed up, I've done. It's never too late to start again, begin again. It's never too late. And so if you've been fighting through things, utilizing your time in ways that are not producing for you the results that you desire, it's very simple. Sit down and determine how you're going to use your time. It's not rocket science, just like... Managing money is not rocket science. My dad always told me this. He said, son, don't spend more than you make. That's a pretty good budget. Don't spend more than you make. Well, if you know how much you make and you know how much you spend, all you have to do is do the math and you can say, I need to change something. You can do the same with time. How much time am I spending watching TV? How much time am I spending sleeping? How much time am I spending eating? How much time am I... And and so it's, it's not a right or wrong. It's just what you produce in your life or the fruit that you want to produce is decided by the choices you make on how you use time now i know some people uh, you know in, in this modern day and and i love online experience because we have people watching all over the world from all over the world and that's great but i love it when pastors who are uh really renowned they tell people I appreciate you joining me today. I like to begin with a joke every day. It's just funny. And I listen all the time. But he says always this. Find a local church and get in it. Find a local church and attend. We live in a world where I can get the message to you through cameras. I listen on podcasts almost every day. A message, preaching. And as much as I love it. The idea, and this is going to be a little bit prophetic maybe, and, and I know that prophecy doesn't work in a politically correct world, but I'm just not politically correct. 
If I were prophesying today, I would say one of the primary reasons we're experiencing what we're experiencing is it's an assault on God's house. I don't think anybody's evilly, maybe not evil in doing what they're doing. Maybe, maybe not. But the reality is, if you take people out of the house of God and out of the house of worship, you will change the trajectory of their lives. And not in a good way. I know that we're not supposed to say these things today. Watch online. And I like that when you need to watch online. You're out of town. You can't get, you know, I get all of that. But the reality is, the time that we spend with God is the best time that we will have all day. The most productive time. If it's five minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, it doesn't matter. The time we spend with God is the most productive time that we have. And does it take some time? Yeah, it takes time. It takes a little time. Could you not tarry one hour? Jesus asked his disciples. I'm not asking you for 24. I'm not asking you for 20. I'm not asking you for 10. Could you not tarry for one hour? Folks, listen, this is getting very serious. Because we're listening to voices and we're making choices based on voices that are not his voice. And that if the devil can divide us and separate us, I promise you he doesn't even have to work hard to conquer us. We conquer ourselves. So I challenge us today to take a step back and look at time. Number one, buying time or using time. In other words, it's the intentional use of time is the very first thing. What do you do intentionally every day? Okay, so I go to work. That's not your choice. That is if you want to eat and have a place to sleep. That's somebody else's choice. Uh, OG&E, the mortgage company, the lease company, the car company, the food. That's not your choice. You know that you've got to do that. So, you know, you say, well, okay, so then you got eight hours of work. You got 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back, an hour for lunch. So you got nine, ten hours tied up there. And most of us anymore don't sleep eight hours. You know, we sleep six or seven. You know, we got all this business going on, social media, TV, and all those things. But pretty much, let's just go with 16 hours a day, that is not your time. So when I talk about six things or six ways to spend your time in eight hours, I'm talking about time that is your choice. So you get home from work at 5.30. You ask yourself the question, what am I going to do tonight? Well, I'm tired. So the first thing we do is we eat. It's great. Then we turn on the TV and we sit there before we know it and we've watched TV all evening. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's not right or wrong. It's not evil. It's not none of that. Don't, don't start feeling condemned. I'm just saying what we want out of life is the result of what we put into life. And the time that we spend will determine the life that we live. 2 Corinthians 12, 15, so I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. If I love you more, will you love me less? Ephesians 5, 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. A plan to read a book, your Bible, while waiting at the doctor, the dentist, in traffic. Ask yourself, because you can do more than one thing at a time. My exercise routine is I'm going to work my body, but while I'm doing that, I'm listening so I can renew my mind and fill my heart. 
And so sometimes when we're at places and, and we're waiting on someone or we're waiting on something, that's when I talk about intentional use of time. Because the reality is, if we have to wait too long, we get frustrated. And I, I would love to go to medical school just to find out how they train doctors to be intentionally 30 minutes late for your appointment. It, it just, you know, well, I have a 3 o'clock appointment. You're not going to see the doctor until 3.20, 3.25, 3.30. And you say, well, we got backed up. Why did you get back? Well, we ran into a couple of cases. No, the reality is that they allocated, they put in too many patients for the time they had. In anticipation, just like airlines oversell seats, hoping that they know there's a percentage of people that aren't going to show up. But when everybody does, they're in trouble. There's a lot of frustration in the world as a result of how other people use time that affects our time. So if that happens... You get to choose what you do with the time. There was a motivational speaker one time that went up to a, a counter at the airport. Uh, this is way back when they didn't have all the digital stuff. And he goes up to check in. And, and the, the uh, agent behind the counter says, well, your flight has been delayed. He said, great. She said, you didn't understand me. Your flight has been delayed. He said, that's awesome. And it really was making the agent mad because I guess she thought he was being sarcastic. And she goes, sir, I don't think you get it. He said, sure I do. He said, I get to sit in a multi-hundreds of million dollar facility that's air conditioned and lighted. And it's a beautiful, comfortable place while I wait on my airplane. In other words, I'm not worried about the delay that you... I'm going to find something to do with my time that is productive. Because most of us, especially type A people, have this struggle of getting angry when something doesn't go right. You notice I said us. But I've realized anger is toxic to my body. I don't want to be angry because it releases poisons that's going, that's going to steal my time. And you say, how's it going to do it? I'm going to die early because that's what anger will do to you. Your body has chemicals in it. Endorphins that are good, and then other toxins that are bad, and they poison your body. I used to be the worst. I was horrible. I, I mean, I, I was diligent. I grew up with a father that everything had to be done. And so I grew up. Then when you go through crisis, you go, things are not near as important as I thought. Why was I making such a big deal of things? So, within a, an appointment, waiting on a doctor, you can read a book, send emails. You can, nowadays, you can almost do anything from anywhere. So, what's your plan? Imagine for a moment that your bank suddenly announced this new policy. Every morning, your account will be credited with $86,400. You can carry no balance from day to day. Every evening, your account will be canceled, and whatever money you have failed to use during the day will be returned to the bank. What would you do? 
why you would draw out every cent of that $86,400 and spend it, save it, or invest it. Before long, you could be a very wealthy person. Actually, you have a bank account with a similar policy. It's called time. Every morning, you are given the prospect of 86,400 seconds. At the close of that 24-hour period, the moments you have failed to withdraw and invest good purpose are ruled off your ledger. Time carries no balance from day to day. It allows no overdrafts. Each day, a new account is open to you. If you fail to withdraw and use the day's deposits, it's your loss. Those who truly love life use time to the maximum. Make your days count rather than counting your days. How long will I live? It really doesn't matter. I'm not counting my days. I'm making my days count. Because I'm not in control of how long I live. But I am in control of my life. And that it's very important that we determine how we're going to use our time. Some of you have spent time with people by default, not by design. You have given your time to people who suck the life out of you. But you are afraid to disconnect. And guess what? That's on you. So every time I get around them, I just come home frustrated. Well, quit getting around them. It's your time. It's your life. I used to play golf, loved to play golf, and I realized once I sat down one day and I went, by the time I get in my car, go to the range, play a round of golf, take my shoes off, go back home, I have spent five hours of my day. Now, there's nothing wrong with golf. I love it. I think it's awesome. But I realized one day, if I'm going to spend five hours, i got to find a reason better than knocking a little white ball in a cup. So there was a time that I had some very close friends and we would talk and we'd talk ministry and before long they all started going getting their own churches in different states and all of a sudden the, the guys I played with were all of a sudden gone. And I went, I'm not playing anymore because I realized I was doing that as much to invest in their life and them and mine as I was trying to get a birdie. Some of you have no idea what a birdie is outside of something chirping. A bogey, a par, all of those things. And I would spend my time, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with fishing for hours if that's what you want to do. Quite frankly, I can get more fish than you in five minutes than you can get in five hours. I fish at Target. You don't have to have bait. You don't have to have a hook. You don't have to have a pole. You don't have to have a boat. You don't have to have gas. All you got to do, wait, a little bit of gas to get to Target. That's it. Pick that fish up, take it home. See, but it's therapeutic. Then do it, see? It's not about the fish. It never has been because now everything's catch and release because we've got to protect the fishies. Wasted time. 
This is called passive living. Someone else or something else leads us through life. Wasting time. Time doing things that we are not called to do is time wasted. What are you called to do? Somebody says, well, I don't know what I'm called to do. What are you called to do? Find out what you're called to do and do it. Because what you're called to do is the top priority. What you want to do is okay, but what we're called to do is a top priority. This is what I'm called to do. I'd like to spend a lot of my time doing this. And I do. There are other things I do that have nothing to do with eternity. I guess maybe everything does have something to do with eternity, but not like specifically. So you ask yourself the question, am I wasting time? What is wasted time? It's not a waste of time to sleep. If you need rest, matter of fact, that's probably a good investment of time. Is resting. Cooking, eating healthy, that's a good investment of time. It's not wasting time to play golf or go fishing. If that time is being utilized to recreate, that's what recreation is, is recreating. Uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with any of these things. Please don't hear me try to, uh, you know, schedule your life. I'm simply saying, when is the last time that you sat down and said, honey, how are we using our time and are we using it to the full? Is it the best use of our time? And if you can answer yes, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. This is between you and God. This is not about somebody telling you, I'm just simply saying, I want the most out of life. I want to squeeze everything out of it I can. And so I have to continually ask, and I'm continually changing my routines, the way I think and the way I live. I wish I, I, wish I was the guy that was, you know, like not an A-type personality that just really had life laid out, boring, wingtips, accounting, that kind of thing, where you just kind of go, I got everything, because it's science, scientific and a lot of that's great i'm just not a science guy and so you know I, i'm more of a guy that likes you know i'm an adrenaline guy and i think for adrenaline driven people what i'm talking about is obviously more difficult i have a high level of respect for people who are very constant and consistent in their lives matter of fact i have great admiration for them i'm just not one of them so it's harder for me Sometimes I believe is an A-type, and some of you A-types will know it because, you know, you see something and, and you're going to fix it because that's what A-types do. We're just going to fix it. Whereas somebody else might say, let me figure out if I can fix it, if I'm supposed to fix it, if it can be fixed. I, let me figure that out. Well, we just jump into things and go, hold it, hold it, hold it. I need to stop and ask myself the question, is this the best use of my time? Because we waste time doing things we're not called to do. Time arguing is wasted time. There's no productivity in arguing. None. Both sides are trying to get their own way. Instead of saying, let's have a discussion and see if we can figure out a solution. And you know, again, I'm a type A. It's always been an issue in my life. And try to correct that issue to make sure I'm not wasting my time trying to win a conversation instead trying to win a person. 2 Timothy 2.23 says, Do not or don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. <clears throat> so, it doesn't suggest that you not have anything to do with them. It doesn't suggest that you don't use your time. It says don't. So I just can't help myself. 
Well, maybe you could if you thought about it. Time trying to convince someone who is unwilling to receive you is time wasted. I've told you story after story of I was consulting throughout years when our church was growing very rapidly. I would get called to consult other churches and go teach and talk to them. And what I found, probably 70% of the consulting business or places I went were not really interested in hearing what I had to say. They wanted a magic pill to grow their church. They thought there was some kind of, maybe it was, you know, one thing, the music or whatever. They thought it was one-dimensional, and they thought, well, you know, just tell us what to do. We'll take the magic pill, and our church will grow. We'll take a magic pill, and our marriage will be fine. We'll take a magic pill, and, and before you know it, finally I realized I'm wasting my time. They don't want to hear what I have to say. They want me to tell them what they're doing is already great. And that if you'll just keep doing it, everything will be right. Or if you'll just do this, the reality is that I realized I was wasting my time. And I finally would ask them, I would say, now if I come and speak to you, are you willing to listen and make the changes, at least some of the changes that need to be made that I'm recommending? And you could always tell when somebody was caught, they would kind of pause Because what I was saying is, I'm going to hold you accountable. You're asking me to come, and you're holding me accountable to bring you something that will be life-changing, ministry-changing, whatever. When you try to help people who don't want help, you're wasting your time. Because they don't want to change. They simply want to be right. They don't want to change. They just want to feel better about saying, well, I met with... This guy, and he told me this. I'm trying. Most people spend their whole life trying instead of their whole life doing. We have to stop just trying and commit to doing. And it's very difficult because old habits die hard. And so the very first thing that we want to address is the use of time, the designed use of time, the time that God has given us that is our discretionary time. The second thing we want to watch out for is wasting time. And you can ask yourself the question, all you want to ask, and if you'll be honest with yourself, you'll get the answers real quickly. So it's very, very important that we we measure how we're using time. Because sometimes all you're doing when you use your time is helping someone else who's frustrated to momentarily not be frustrated anymore because you were the the person that spent your time trying to make their life better when in reality they don't want to be better they just want to feel better how many of you heard people say well i just need to vent well we all need to vent but that needs to be made known up front (laughs) i don't want your help but would you just listen to me be mad for a minute okay now now that is that over what can we do with the remaining time Do you want to change or you just want to be mad? Do you want to change or you just want to vent? What do you want to do? Because otherwise, if that's all they want to do, that's going to lead to probably an argument or quarreling because the minute you say something to them that they don't like, they're going to bite your head off. 
Because they came to you wanting you to validate how they feel and what they say. Don't waste your time. People would want to meet with me, and people still every now and then want to meet with me. My first question when you call the office and, 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 and Suli says, well, what, what do you want to meet with Mark about? If you don't tell her, you will not meet with me. But it's private. It ain't that private. I'm having marriage problems. I'm having money problems. I'm having, I didn't see you have to be detailed. But the reality is I don't meet with people without knowing what people want to meet with me about. You say, well, that's kind of arrogant. No, I just want to measure my time. I've, I've sat down with people early on in my ministry and I went, you just wanted to chat. <laughs> and I don't know you and you don't really know me. You think you know me, but you don't. And all you want to do is chat. I don't have time to chat with you. Now, that sounds probably like, you know, a lot of pastors will stand up and tell you things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, they're not going to meet with you. I'm not going to try to make you feel good. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you the truth. I have purpose in my life, and I'm going to try to be purpose-driven. I'm not going to be try to be emotionally driven, categorically driven. I want to live my life because, I, I mean, if you do the math, I might have 200 days left. And if you just got into this message, you think I'm dying. I am, and so are you. We're all dying. The day you drew your first breath out of your mama's tummy, you started dying. So if you tell someone, I just need to tell you I'm dying, they'll freak out. They won't even pause long enough to say, what are you dying of? I'm not dying of anything. I'm just dying because I'm getting older. Now, I'm going to outlive just about everybody I know. I really do. I'm going to outlive about everybody. I don't know why I'm just punishing me or punishing them. But I, I'm just, I don't know that that will be the case. But the reality is, live your life in a way that's not measured just by minutes and seconds and months. But by kairos, that's a moment in time, a special moment. And I believe when you come to church, those moments are available. People say, why didn't I get to experience that? Because you weren't there. I'll finish this in about two or three weeks. But during this pandemic, people realized they had time on their hands they've never had before. Some people got excited about it. Some people decided to remodel their home and be productive with their time. Other people decided to go crazy. No, there's a lot of craziness out there. Abuse went up when the pandemic hit. Domestic abuse escalated. What do you do with the time? People are mad. And when you're mad, you do things that mad people do. Maybe you're not an evil person, but you see what happens when, when there's no time constraints on us, no time budget. We oftentimes don't know what to do, just like a person who wins the lottery doesn't know what to do with the money they won. Because they've never had money before. Some people have worked 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, sleep 8 hours. They only have 4 or 5 hours of discretionary time, so they don't have a lot of time to be a fool. But when you got 10 to 12 hours to act the fool, typically you're going to succeed. If you've never known how to manage your time before. So I want to challenge us this week. Just, just be aware. 
Now, I know some of you A-types, you're going to make a plan. You're going to have a spreadsheet. You're going to be able to tell everybody exactly what you did all week long. But just be aware of, of time. There are times you need to stop, sit down, rest, have a conversation, play, recreate. All those things are wonderful. There are times you need to take a nap, a long nap. Everybody wishes you would. Take a long nap. Because you're going to be cranky if you don't. That's why we give kids naps. You can tell them shut up all day long, but boy, when they get to sleep, just put them down. A little drop of Benadryl. I know I'll probably take heat for that. Can't even joke anymore. But there are things we need, and we have to find the time. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us time. Giving us time to think, time to pray, time to read, time to sleep, time to eat, time to be with you. And so, Lord, I pray for everyone today that the frustration of too much time, now that we, we hear people say there's too much time, there wasn't enough time before, but, Lord, I pray now that you would help us to realize that time is not our master. We are the master of time. And if any of us say, well, I don't have time or I feel pressed, the reality is at that point we have become a servant to time. God, we're not called to be servants to time. We're called to be servants of yours. And so, Lord, may we use our time wisely to be the best people we can be, to help the most people we can help. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like to give everyone an opportunity to pray this prayer, to accept Christ without him. There is no hope. With him, there is no hopelessness. So I want to ask everyone watching online, everyone in the house today to pray with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Today I choose to live for you. I repent of my sin, and I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Just to let us know that today was a life-changing moment for you. It was a Kairos moment. You didn't know when you came here. You haven't been measuring the, the, the seconds and minutes and hours and weeks this was a moment unexpected, not a chronological moment, but a kairos moment, a, a time and a season for you to make a change in your life. And prayerfully today, that has happened for you. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.